The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. The American church culture here in the 21st century, man. Well, separation of church and state is not in the Constitution, the preamble, the Bill of Rights, or anything like that. It was in a letter, I think, written by Benjamin Franklin or something. And, uh, and so what has happened is the secularists have used it as though it is official and constitutional. We can't have any interference with religion and uh, the state. That's not what it is. The reason the founding uh, fathers put that in or, or mentioned the idea uh, in some other areas, they, they did not want, they wanted freedom of religion, but they did not want the government to state what religion you have to follow. That was what they got away from in the oppressive uh, European uh, scene. But what you'll find is that in the governmental system of the Bible and in the early constitutions, uh, let's be the constitution of the states, Christianity was promoted by the government, not as an official body to be worshipped and things like that, but the early people knew that the officials listen to this that the officials in power needed to have God over them so that they would not become corrupt like we have today so that they would not take bribes like we have today so they would not sell our interests to foreign powers like we're seeing with Biden, the Chinese, everything that's going on so that they would not uh, just let everybody come in without, I mean, and break the laws which is what the Biden administration, the the, uh, Biden crime family is allowing to happen and so um, the idea was that we were to have freedom of expression and freedom of speech now freedom of speech is being restricted by the left because because there is no absolute truth truth to them is just as much a commodity to be dealt with to be changed and altered as are the lies that they so often promote because the people are not religious in their hearts and have God upon them and within them, then they have no problem with lying and deceiving as the left so frequently does and then tries to silence people with freedom of of expression and, and speech. They will use separation of church and state as a hammer, as a whip to get Christians to shut up and stay away. But there are they have a, a prayer day and they go on the steps and just have a national day of prayer and mm-hmm. so I, I was asked several uh, years in a row to go up and, and do a prayer on a certain topic so I did and this one particular time I noticed that there were protesters across the street they were polite they weren't yelling and screaming but they had signs separation of church and state and they don't understand and they did not understand what it meant and after we were all done, I went down, and I was in my suit and tie, and I walked over, and I started talking to this one woman. And she had a sign. I said, so, I'm just asking, are you an atheist? She says, of course. I said, okay, and you don't like wow. the idea of us praying on the, on the steps, right? That's right. Separation of church and state. 
And I said, so let me get this straight. So you want the state to tell the Christians that we can't pray on the steps, right? That's what she says, that's right. Well, wait a minute. I thought you wanted separation of church and state. But it's okay for the state to tell the church what it can do? Is that what you're saying? And she just, you could see it in her face. The, the light bulb went on. She was stunned. She, I could see it. Wow. I said, you're a hypocrite. You only, you don't want the Christians and the Christ, Christianity to influence the state, but you want the state to influence Christianity, don't you? And she didn't know what to say. I remember it very That's clearly. That's a great she, response, man. Yes. Wow. Yeah. They're hypocrites. They're liars. Yeah. Yeah. The state I has the right. I always looked at it like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As if, if, if Miss Atheist, if God doesn't exist, why are you so offended by our activities on these steps in the first place? That's right. And I ask them, I'll talk to atheists, I'll say, look, what do you think we promote? We promote, as Christians, we promote honesty and integrity, not taking bribes, but knowing that our decisions would, would have an eternal consequence between our relationship with God and ourselves and other people. Yeah. We take it seriously. But if you're an atheist, not to say that every atheist is going to be evil-minded and wicked, but I mean, sure. where is the internal motivation, the cross-culture of the atheist community that says don't take bribes, don't this, don't that? Where is it? It's not there. It becomes subjective. And if you're going to have subjective morals, what's going to happen when you get in power? And history's already told us what's happened when the atheists get in power. Absolutely. That's right. In the 1900s, over 100 million people were killed by the regimes that were atheistic at its core. Communist China, Communist Russia, North Korea. Pol Pot, I have it. Uh, I have an article. Someone else wrote it. It wasn't me. We had another author write it, and he did research on, on. Um, let's see if I can find it really quick. Carm, uh, religion, number one cause of war, because it's a common thing that you know religion is the number one cause of war, and that's such a big lie. And so this guy did the research, and uh, let's see how many, let's see, in 1,763 wars that have been waged over the course of human history, of those wars, the authors, out of this, this book, which is, uh, uh, let's see, 30 years, uh, the Crusades of the 30 Years, more, where's the book? There's a, a encyclopedia of wars. There it is. Philip and Axel Rod's three-volume encyclopedia of wars, which chronicles 1,763 wars that have been waged over human history. Of those wars, the authors categorize 123 as being religious in nature, which is an astonishingly low 6.9% of all wars. However, when one subtracts out those waged in the name of Islam, the percentage is cut by more than half to 3.23%. So wow. of all the religious wars, Islam is res responsible for more than half. Oh, Islam is an evil, violent religion. So, Joseph Stalin, okay, Joseph Stalin is responsible for 42,672,000 deaths. Mao Zedong, 37,800,000. Adolf Hitler, 
21 million. Now, some people say, Hitler was a Christian. No, he wasn't. He hated Christianity, but he was involved in the occult. Chiang Kai-shek, 10.2 million. Vladimir Lenin, 4 million. Haideko Tojo, 4 million. Pol Pot, 2.4 million. That's 170 men, women, children who have been shot, beaten, tortured, knifed, burned, starved, frozen, crushed or worked to death, burned alive, drowned, hung, bombed or killed in any other of a myriad of wars, myriad of ways governments have inflicted death on unarmed, helpless citizens and foreigners. The death could, the death toll could conceivably be near 360 million. It is though our species has been devastated by a modern black plague. Any rate, so we need God in our lives. We need God in the government. We do. Absolutely. And this this phrase is just so distorted that since mm-hmm. the, the, the words church and state just make it sound so authoritative, Matt. Yep. So when you use that, the power just kind of overwhelms first the churchmen, the Christians, and they they kneel because I believe it's because they don't have the solid knowledge of what that phrase actually mm-hmm. is. So when the secularist uses it since the Christian doesn't know the facts behind it, they kneel to the secularist. Does that sound right. correct, sir? Yeah, yeah, it's because they're they're they're, uh, they're afraid. Um, the Christianity is too comfortable, too easy. Uh, people aren't picking up their cross daily and going after Christ and having to deal with the difficulties of what it means to follow him. And so they're used. I know to they the, pick up their couch instead. Mm-hmm. They are used to the comfort that so many uh, people's blood has bought for us, and we've become amazing. Weak. So the establishment clause separates church from state. Doesn't mean we can't have religion in politics and public life. Hey, we'll be right back after this God message. Hey, folks, if you want to give me a call, four open lines eight seven seven two zero seven two two seven six. Be right back. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. We have four open lines if you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. Just want to remind you, we stay on the air by your support. Please consider uh, just giving to us. Uh, all you got to do is go to karm.org forward slash donate. And the information is there. We are not using PayPal anymore uh, in that. No new signups with PayPal because of their leftist leanings and threats uh, that if you give misinformation, then they'll confiscate up to $2,500 out of your account, uh, you know, the commies that they are. So uh, we're, we're away from them. and uh, But the old stuff is still going through. We're going to gradually move away from it. But uh, no new signups, no new anything. We have a new a new setup going on. And if you do want to support us, and if you do want to designate it for the radio, 
then just please, uh, in addition to any donation you give, you also email us and let us know. If that's what you want it for. Let's get to Alberto from Georgia. Alberto, welcome. How are you doing, buddy? Yes, good evening, my slick. I was talking to you yesterday with the phone line. I guess there's something I lost the call. I was yeah. talking about yesterday, remember, hand kind of graph you're talking about, about work-based salvation. And I was talking to you about, the, you know, the Bible says mm-hmm. that Christ comes for a church that was without blemish mm-hmm. and wrinkles. Is that a work-based salvation? Yeah. Uh, well, it depends on what is meant by it. But um, the Eastern Orthodox Church, which is what he joined, is um, is a false church because it adds works to salvation. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But my but my question is the Bible the Bible verse where it talks about the Christ come for a church without wrinkle and without, without spot. Is that a works base? Oh, By, no. That's that's work that of Christ. Means. He has cleansed us. He removed our sin debt at the cross. Colossians two fourteen. When He grants that we have faith, Philippians one twenty nine, then we're justified by that faith. Romans 4, 1 through 5, Romans 5, 1. So we are made spotless by the blood of Christ that cleanses us of all sins. 1 John 1, 7, 8, and 9. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, another, I got another question. You know, you know Deuteronomy sure. 18, 22, where mm-hmm. it says that, that if a person prophesies something and then it said come to pass, and what up? Uh, but what about if the person prophesies the prophecy it doesn't come fulfilled and during their lifetime or the people's lifetime it doesn't make him a false prophet probably the prophecy was meant to fulfill thousands of years or hundreds of years in the future so how can you determine who's a false prophet or not even because the prophecy wasn't fulfilled and during the lifetime of the prophet or the people when he spoke it there's different different kinds of prophecies there are prophecies in the bible that are not yet fulfilled but there are prophecies that you can say a certain thing will happen at a certain time. This is done by Joseph Smith in Mormonism. He said certain things, and it, he failed. He demonstrated to be a false prophet. There were different people throughout the centuries have said, oh, by this year, or within this many years, or whatever it is, such and such will occur, and it didn't occur. And so they're false prophets. But what ha- just like... Uh, in uh, the seventh day, uh, excuse me, not the seventh day of us, the Jehovah's Witnesses. So uh, let's see, Carm, I'll show you. False prophecies. Let's see if we get into the. Uh, yeah, Joseph Smith, founder of false prophecies and false prophecies of the Jehovah's Witness organization, for example. Um, they even said things like. Uh, the date 1925 is even more distinctly indicated by the scripture than 1914. And that's Watchtower, September 1st, 1922, page 262. In 1923, just give an example here, read a couple, three uh, more of these. 1923, uh, they said, our thought is that 1925 is definitely settled by the scriptures. As to Noah, the Christian, uh, as Noah, the Christian now has much more upon which to base his faith than Noah had upon which to base his faith in a coming deluge and that's april 1st 20, uh, 1923 page 106 and then when 1925 got there the year 1925 is here with great expectation christians have looked forward to this year many have confidently expected that all members of the body of christ will be changed to heavenly glory during this year this may be accomplished it may not be 
and it goes on. This is uh, January 1st, 1925, page 3 out of the Watchtower. So these are where they named dates, and then the dates failed about uh, various things that are associated with these. They did it in 1914, they did it in 1925, they did it in 1975. So anyway, that's just an example. Okay, so they gave dates uh, in years. But uh, the Bible, you know, it does some pretty specific pro prophetic work. For example, in Daniel 9, uh, 40, uh, 24 through 27, it talks about the number of, of years, the weeks of years, a week of years, and how many years that is converted into days. 172,880 days is what the number comes out to be when you do the math. Uh, that that's when the Messiah will come in, but the start date of the counting is from the decree of of uh, to, to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, which occurred in four, uh, March four March fourth or March fourteenth March fourteenth four forty five B C, and so that you know one hundred seventy two thousand eight hundred eighty days is when Jesus came into the into Jerusalem on a donkey. So you see, you have very specific things. And then you have generic things, like the church is going to be raptured, and it hasn't yet happened. So it just depends on how it's worded. Mm -hmm, okay. Yeah, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, but, but my, that's my whole point. That mm -hmm. the, the Old Testament prophet, when they prophesied something, like example Isaiah, he said, "A child be born," you know, you know, from to Jesus' birth. He said that, but but how do we, it didn't fulfill during his lifetime? It was prophesied to be meant in the future. But that he specifically said in the future it's going to be specifically happen, or because for imagine if it didn't happen during his lifetime, or sometime in the future specifically, during the future specifically he didn't that he specified it. You could he could consider a false prophet or not. That's my whole point. Because you know, with who? Because he specifically said it. With who? Who's Isaiah. The oh. Um, it depends on what the what it is. I always have to look at it. When people tell me this, or they'll it, it, they'll raise an issue, I always want to see the text to see how it's exactly worded, see the exact text mm -hmm. and how it's exactly worded. Because a lot of times people will read into the text what isn't there and then get a misunderstanding mm -hmm. of it. So that's why I would say, well, what's the exact exact verse, and let's look at it and see. That's what I would say. Well, like example, Isaiah nine six. Yeah, I know. I'm quite familiar okay, with that. Well, so what about it? A child who was born. Well, yes. when Isaiah, yeah, well, the, well, when he prophesied that, what, what about Jesus? When he said it, how do we know that what he's saying, what really, really, what he's saying is going to happen for sure? How do we, the, the people, that determine that back then when he said when he prophesied it? How will we know if it's true? What do you think these really prophesied came from God or not? That's the whole point. In the future, how or know? how would people By know reading it, it came, came from God or not? You, you, no, what? But, but, wait, 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 wait. You're saying, how do you know the, the prophecy in Isaiah came from God or not? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. How would you determine when he spoke it from his mouth, verbally? So how do we verify that it came from God? That's what you're asking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, we can't verify that it came from God. We can't take a spaceship, go up into heaven, interview God, and say, did, on this date back here, did you inspire Isaiah? 
it's just not going to happen. So I'm not sure what you mean, okay? That, that's what I mean, because the Bible says in Deuteronomy 18.22, if, if a prophecy doesn't come to a pass, that people get to stone the prophet, you know, if it, you know, kill him, stone him. Yeah, death, they, cause that but way, they're... Well, they're, so... Yes, but there are different kinds so of prophecies. Okay, so you got to be careful. But uh, this was fulfilled in Christ, okay? All right? Okay, mm-hmm. buddy. Hey, look, there's a break. Hey, folks, we'll be right back after these messages. We have four open lines. Give me a call, 877-207-2276. Be right back. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Let's get on the air here with Mike from Ohio. Mike, welcome. You're on the air, buddy. Well, thank you. Hello. Um, Hey, I want to pick your brain and get your completely subjective Mm -hmm. opinion on something. Okay, sure. Uh, uh, we all know the story of David and Goliath. Yeah. Uh, David was called by God. David was told by God, you're going to defeat the Philistine giant. If David had that knowledge going in, why did he pick up five stones that are just one? Because Goliath had four uh, brothers, and uh, that's why. That's so. what I. That's what I thought. I had read mm-hmm. that several places. That's what. That's kind of the way I was leaning. Yeah, it's. Uh, and I. I wrote an article on this years ago. Why did David pick up five stones to kill Goliath? He had two brothers and two cousins, or something like that. Um, and uh, let's see. And David girded his sword over his armor and tried to walk. He had not tested it, took off. Okay, uh, there was a, a man of great stature, who had six fingers on each hand, etc. And uh, defied Israel, struck him. There were, these four were born to the giant at Gath, and they fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. So it looks like Goliath had offspring, four of them, and in the culture of what's called blood revenge, the uh, descendants would revenge, take revenge on the one who killed, you know, Goliath, and so he was ready for all of them by taking all the stones. He says, "Let's go, all of you." He's ready for it. Okay. Okay. Because because I had heard, I had heard it preached before that David was basically showing a moment of weakness is why he no. took five stones. And my no. my argument with that would have been. Had David showed a moment of weakness at that point, it would have been over. Well, for one thing, God would it's purely been. it's purely subjective to say it's a uh, it's it's um, five stones means weakness. If I'm going to go out, and I'm very very yeah. very confident that uh, you know I got my my uh, my my long rifle, whatever it is, and I'm out. Uh, I'm very confident with my shooting ability. I might only take one bullet. No, I might take more. Because you know you're not yeah. perfect, and so it doesn't mean you're not confident. It doesn't mean you're not trusting God, and so that's one thing. So a preacher shouldn't preach that. And uh, the other thing is, 
It's on the contrary. He had four offspring, and so hey, let's get them all. He's very confident. He's yeah. cons- he's he's sure, which is the Christian uh, attitude we should have. Let's go after. Let's go get him. Let's go. I believe yeah. like being David. That's right. That's right. I agree. Well, I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Okay. Well, sounds good. All right, brother. God bless. Okay. All right. Let's get to Laura from Utah. Laura, welcome. You're on the air. Well, hello, hello, Matt. Oh, this is the Laura. Everybody needs to know. That helps me a lot on CARM. We've met a couple, three times and in person. And you've been working with us. How long have you been working with us now, volunteering with CARM for what, two um, years, three about, years? About two and a half. And are you thoroughly enjoying it? Absolutely, absolutely. Yes, I was absolutely blessed to be able to serve and to work with CARM. Yeah, but here's a real question. How does it feel working with Charlie? Because you know how he is. He's got issues, so, so that's pretty bad. <laughs> he, he does, but we're we're all crackpots. <laughs> <laughs> that's, tr- that's true. That's true. So uh, I was watching him when I said that he left. So, uh, <clears throat> so what do you got? What's up? Well, so this has been bugging me. My... My parents, especially my mother, as you know, they're still in this coming from Mormonism, coming um, out of Mormonism, but going into New Age, Universalism. I mean, it's just the spectrum is so broad. But she is still convinced that she was a spirit baby. She chose to come down here to these parents to get beat and, you know, all this stuff. And it's comforting to her, and that's why they do that. Um, so what are some good verses, because she still believes in the Bible, because they can, it, 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 she twists everything. What are some things that I can show her or just give to her and have her read them in context? Well, nothing in the Bible says we pre-exist. Now, they go to uh, Jeremiah 1, 5, I think it is, um, where, you know, before you were born, I knew you. They say, that means uh, pre-existence. No, it doesn't. It means that in the context, and the, the way of understanding of the Jewish mind, in the context that that was meant in that context at that time, was that God, in his knowledge of who he was to save, that he would know them. That's what's going on there. Uh, the Mormons, of course, rip it out of context. You could go to First Corinthians 15, and there's a strength and a weakness to what I'll tell you. Uh, it, and it talks about the resurrection of the human body, and it says, so it is written uh, in verse 44, so in a natural body raised a spiritual body. So the physical body dies, and this raises a spiritual body, a glorified body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So what he's saying here, Paul is saying, if there's a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. Well, what is the spiritual body? It's not pre-existent spiritual body. 
it's post-existent spiritual body that he's teaching. He's teaching about the resurrection. It's sown. Our body is sown a natural body, like mine right now. It's a natural body. It, when I die and Christ raises us, we raise a spiritual body. And Paul says in verse 44, 1 Corinthians 15, if there's a natural body, that's what I have now, there's also a spiritual body. So what he's saying in the context is that the spiritual body is the resurrected body. That's what he says a spiritual body is. He goes on, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. That's verse 45. Now, wait a minute. In the Mormonism, the pre-existence, the living soul existed before that. But it says the first man, Adam, became a living soul. Notice this first man in the context of the natural body. The last Adam, that's Jesus, became a life-giving spirit in his glorified resurrection. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. So the spiritual is first. That means, oh, excuse me, it's not first. That means that the, in the context here, the resurrected glorified body does not come before the natural body. But what's, that's the strength, and it's also weakness, because in the interpretation, because what they like to do is get out of this. But when you go back to verse 44, and you say it's a natural body, it's raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. And he says the first man became a living soul. Then you have to understand that the, the Adamic body, the physical body, is when he became a living soul. That means there can't be a pre existence by which he pre existed as a living soul and then was inhabited in a human body. So there you go. That's why, that's where you got to go. Okay. Nice. Yeah, I keep looking up at everything, and I'm just like, man, they can just twist and twist, and uh, you know. So I'm just trying, just praying, and trying to give her more things to think about. Yes, but you have to read that context, okay? Now, it's First Corinthians 15, mainly verses 44 and 45, and then 46. So 44, okay. 45, 46. It is Sony natural body. This is our physical body we're born in. It is raised a spiritual body. This is the glorified body. If there's a natural body, what I'm in now, what you're in now, there's also a spiritual body that we're not in yet now, but it's coming. There, that's why it's written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. If he pre-existed as a living soul, then how could it be that the first man, Adam, became a living soul when it says it was Adam who's a man in human flesh? Therefore, it's not possible to have a pre-existence. He says, uh, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. That's a reference to Christ. Then he goes on and says, however, the spiritual is not first. Okay? The, the uh, spiritual body, the spiritual issue, but the natural, then the spiritual. That's the order of our existence. The natural body, then the spiritual body. The natural existence, then the spiritual existence. But the Mormons have it reversed because of the false teachings of Joseph Smith. Okay? Yes, unfortunately. Thank you. And hey, I'm going to put a plug out there. Look, you know, people need to donate in the car. There is just so much useful information in there. I've learned so much working with you and, you know, and 
being on the radio has just been amazing. If you hadn't been on the radio, then I wouldn't be blessed to know you and to be where I'm at. And it blesses everybody who listens. So if you have time or you have something, I know holidays are rough, just please try and help donate and let's keep this yeah. night going and this show going. That's right. $5 a month is what we ask. It's not too much. Well, thanks, Laura. Appreciate it. Hopefully, we'll get to meet okay. again. Maybe have you down there preaching again. Who knows? <laughs> we'll okay, see. cool. Okay, right. God bless. Okay, God bless. All right. Hey, we have four open lines, 877-207-2276. We'll be right back. Please stay tuned. Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. And uh, just want to let you know, hey, we need your support. It's uh, Just go to karm.org forward slash donate. We would love it. Let's get to Tommy from Utah. <clears throat> Tommy, welcome. You're on the air. How you doing today, Matt? Hanging in there, man. It's a frustrating day. I'd, you ever had to spend time on, on a help line and, you know, push this that number if, oh, man, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Uh, well, I just had, uh, uh, I was just listening and I was listening to that uh, uh, segment with Laura and uh, what mm-hmm. came to my mind was that as far as, the pre-existence there's only one man who has ever walked this earth who had any pre-existence and we can see that in john 1 1 yep and uh and it follows up uh with jesus speaking in uh in revelation where he says i am the alpha omega the beginning and the end so Mm -hmm. he is the only person that has ever walked this earth who has had a pre-existence so i just thought that might help her out that's a good point. I wish I'd have, have thought of that. But that, and you're correct. It's exactly correct. And he was, as his person, because he has two natures, a divine nature and a human nature, the, the attributes of the divine nature, which are preexistent, are then ascribed to the person. So he has the quality of preexistence as well as a temporal beginning. He has both aspects because the divine nature is without beginning. The human nature is with beginning, and yet both are ascribed to the single person so it's an interesting contrast and mystery of how that works but that's what it is good stuff man yeah so i i just uh i i came out of mormonism too and so a lot of these things you know are really clear to me uh now that i am a, a, a student of the bible so i, well, good I just, for you. Uh, just wanted to give you that to, to give to her and help her out well she's listening so uh uh, that's good stuff, man. Appreciate it. Good stuff. All right. Well, All right. thank you, Matt. I listen to you often, and I, I uh, well, use your resources for my uh, Sunday school class, and I just, uh, I just, I just really appreciate what you do and the knowledge you have because I, I wasn't saved till I was almost fifty-six, so I'm uh, had, wow. a, had a slow start, but I'm catching up fast. 
Hey, praise God, man. Praise God. He's merciful to you and uh, saved you, got, got you out of Mormonism. So praise God. So what city are you in? I do, in every day. I know. What city are you What's in? What's that? What city oh, are you I in? Oh, I live in South Weber, South Weber, but I uh, I go to church at the Wasatch Cowboy Church out in Hooper, Utah. Okay. Is, is I've been down there a few times, but isn't that south of Provo, or am I just off? No, South, South Weber is actually, it's right in between Layton and Ogden. Oh, it's up right, there right up in, north. Yeah, it's okay. right underneath the air base. There, the, okay. the flight path is directly over my house. <laughs> oh, lucky you. <laughs> but it, oh, it yep. is, I, I think I am. I love seeing those, when those planes fly and uh, people say, what is that noise? I'm like, that is the sound of freedom, my, my man. <laughs> That's right. Well, you know, I used to live on military bases. My dad was in the service and on Air Force bases. So I saw B-52s, C-119s all the time, helicopters, all this stuff. And so when I see B-52s, it just brings back good memories, believe it or not. But, yeah, but not oh, yeah. so much anymore because they're not there. Yeah, and, my, and my, wife, my wife's father was, uh, uh, or no, my wife's <laughs> grandfather mm-hmm. was, uh, maybe it was her father. Well, I think it was her father was the was a belly dunner in a B fifty two. Oh wow! Wow! Well, yeah, wow. flew out of England. Yeah. Well, my dad did telephone, and uh, and he never saw, he saw little action in Vietnam. He was in Vietnam in the Air Force. He was in Korea in the Army, and he was in World War Two in the Air in the Navy. So he saw a few things, wow. but. Uh, yeah, he came close, but still out there, you know. Wow, that's uh, a gunner. Ooh, man, wow, yeah, a lot of good brave anyway, men. I just want to know how much I appreciate what you do. Well, thank you, and praise God. Maybe we'll meet sometime and get down there. All right, buddy. I'd be great. Oh. Thank you, Matt. Oh. Appreciate you. God all right, bless. God bless. Okay. You know, we don't have anybody waiting right now. Um, I'm going to read something that Joseph Smith said. Um, now, if you're a Mormon and you're listening, I'm going to just read. I'm just going to read it. This is History of the Church, Volume 2, page 189. This is not uh, an anti-saying it. This is what the Church has produced in its publication, History of the Church. History of the Church, Volume 2, page 189. President Smith then stated that the meeting had been called because God had commanded it, and it was made known to him by a vision and by the Holy Spirit. He then gave a revelation of some of the circumstances attending us while journeying to Zion, our trials, sufferings, and said God had not designed all this for nothing, but he had it in remembrance. Remembrance yet, okay. And it was the will of God that those who went to Zion with a determination to lay down their lives if necessary should be ordained to the ministry and go forth to prune the vineyard for the last time for the coming of the Lord, which is nigh even 56 years should wind up the scene. So, this is what Joseph Smith said. 
Okay, so 56 years would mean that by the year roughly at the very outside, the very outside, 1890, Jesus is supposed to come back. He didn't do it. Jesus had not returned within 56 years, which was uh, 1891. Okay. How about this? <coughs> this is, uh, let's see. People say the Civil War one was uh, a proof of his of his uh, prophetic nature. Doesn't mean, doesn't matter if he makes one false prophecy. According to the Bible, he's a false prophet. That's what the Bible says. One false prophecy, you're a false prophet. Now, as far as the uh, Civil War, a lot of people don't realize this. It wasn't as though suddenly on Tuesday one day, hey. The north is against the south. Wow, where'd that come from? Boy, who prophesied that? It wasn't like that. People knew for many years that the north and the south were becoming divided. Many years before that it happened. Many. And I'd read about this, that it was not just something new. Like in, in two or three years it had developed. But for decades there had been a division between the north and the south, and, and states were taking sides, and it was growing. And this happened while Joseph Smith was alive because the issue over slavery was already on the table and people were fighting against it uh, politically, morally, preachers. It was all in the works for decades before the Civil War occurred. So in Doctrine and Covenants, page uh, or section 87, 1 through 3, Verily thus saith the Lord concerning the wars that will shortly come to pass, beginning at the Rebellion of South South Carolina, which will eventually terminate in the death and misery of many souls. This is not a, a anybody could have prophesied this. Anybody could have said this at the time. That's what people here don't realize in this day and age. Oh, you see, he prophesied it. He knew. He was great. No. Others were saying the same thing. There were writings about it and, and newspaper articles about the, the unfortunate probability of the coming war that was on the uh, that were happening, they didn't want that. So anyway, and he goes on. Uh, at the time it was poured out upon the nations, beginning in this place. All right, for behold, the southern states shall be divided against the northern states. Really, this was already known and in the works at the time. Uh, and the southern states will call on other nations, even the nation of Great Britain, as it is called, and they shall also call upon other nations in order to defend themselves against other nations, and the war shall be called upon the nations. Uh, and it says that uh, it says the war will be poured out upon all nations, is what it says. That's what he prophesied in DNC 87, verse 3 in order to defend themselves against other nations and then war shall be poured out upon all nations that didn't happen how about this one prophesy uh, let's see for not many days hence and the earth shall tremble and reel to and fro as a drunkard, drunken man and the sun shall hide its face his face and shall refuse to give light and the moon shall be bathed in blood and the stars shall become exceedingly angry and shall cast themselves down as a fig that falleth from a uh, off a fig tree uh, that's DNC 8887 the sun hasn't been hidden nor has the moon uh, hidden its face this prophecy was given on December 27th 1832 and he says, not many days hence. Since the writing of uh, this article, 
oh, which I wrote in 2006. It was 63,364 days, or 173 years, 5 months, and 26 days. And that was uh, back in 2006. And I think that uh, I should maybe update that. Anyway, uh, that failed. In reference to January 1, 2000, it was 61,000 days. Anyway, how about this? Another one. Pearl of Great Price. Uh, in this is in uh, Pearl of Great Price, uh, verse 40, Joseph Smith History, verse 40. In addition to these, he quoted the 11th chapter of Isaiah, saying that it was about to be fulfilled. He quoted also the third chapter of Acts, 20, Acts 22nd and 23rd verses, precisely as they stand in our New Testament. He said that the prophet was Christ, but the day had not yet come when they would not hear his voice should be cut off from among the people, but would soon come. And it didn't happen. And you read uh, that the verses there deal with a different topic. And it wasn't, you know, he just, you can read it for yourself. Let me, uh, let me see, there's one more I want to get to. That's we got a couple of minutes. Uh, this is in Doctrine and Covenants 84, verses 2 through 5 and verse 31. Yea, the Lord, the word of the Lord concerning his church, uh, established in the last days for the restoration of his people, as he's spoken by the mouth of the prophets, and for the gathering of his saints to stand upon Mount Zion, which shall be the city of New Jerusalem, which city shall be built beginning at the temple lot, which is appointed by the finger of the Lord. It goes on. It says, The house of the Lord, which shall be built on unto the Lord in this generation upon the consecrated spot, as I have appointed. Now that is a false prophecy. The Mormons were driven out of Jackson County in 1833. They were not gathered there in accordance with this prophecy dealing with the building of the temple. The prophecy clearly states that the generation present when the prophecy was uh, given would not pass away until the temple was built in the western boundaries in the state of Missouri, which is in independence. It failed. So here's the thing. If Mormons are listening to this, you need to do your own research, you know, and find out false prophecies of Joseph Smith. Just go to the web and look. But maybe you won't. Maybe you just might say, no, I won't do it. I know he's true. Well, wait a minute. If you know he's true, then examining these false prophecies shouldn't shake your faith, right? Because if he's true, then he won't make any false prophecies. But if he did make false prophecies, then he's not true, right? And if you refuse to check, well... That means you believe that it's possible he was a false prophet. Because otherwise, you'd check, you wouldn't have any worries about it. But wait a minute. If you think that's possible, then shouldn't you check it out? Because if you're belonging to a church that's started by a false prophet, what's that say about your eternal destiny? You see, when I read stuff like this to Mormons and talk to them, and they deny what it says, they don't want to check, they don't want to learn, then on the Day of Judgment, they will be held responsible by the true and living God for refusing to look at truth. Instead, they've chosen to submit facts and truth and history, which God has provided and has been recorded, and they refuse to look at what God provided to expose the false teachers, and therefore, in that day of judgment, they'll face that judgment. 
All right, folks, there you go. We're out of time. May the Lord bless you by His grace. We're back on the air on uh, tomorrow, Wednesday, and Thursday I'll be off. i got to take my wife to a doctor appointment, and Luke, Lord willing, will be on the air. God bless everybody. We'll talk to you then. Another program powered by the Truth Network.